you grow up in an environment where um, there's a lot of scarcity mindset, which means we're just thinking the glass is always half empty, right? And, and it's never good enough. And we don't know if we're going to get there. And oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, if you come from that mindset, then you may develop, not you're not 100%, but more than not, you're going to repeat that cycle. And you're going to think of yourself in that way. And you're going to complain. And we're not going to be solution seekers, right? If you grow into an environment where you're taught that, okay, we're going to go through stuff. Things are going to happen. But let's look at it the other way. What else can we do? And you're looking for solutions. And we're looking for that growth and for that abundance. You're going to think a little bit more broadly. You're going to be able to be, you know, kind of train your mind to think greater versus less, right? So when it comes to self-worth, that's the same way we look ourselves in the mirror. If we're constantly being told how much we lack, if we're constantly told how much we're not making the cut, then eventually, honestly, even I would be like, well, why even try? Welcome to the Parenting Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Conscious conversations to help you take your teen from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem to empowered and inspired so you can have less chaos and more connection in your life. It takes a village. And now, on to our show. All right, what's up, everyone? This is Forrest, and we got Bo out there in Florida. Welcome to the Parent Teen Mindset Show. We're helping parents with teens that have anxiety, depression, self-esteem issues, motivation issues, things that we all had when, when I was a kid, but we just didn't have labels and titles for it. Um, definitely my own team suffered through a lot of these things, and that's why we put this, this show together for you, for you, the parent. So make sure you share this episode out there. It's going to be a great one on self-worth today. It's a topic that needs to be discussed. Bo, how you doing out there in Florida? Yo, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to launch this off today. You know, we like the East Coast, West Coast connection. Um, we have a wonderful guest here today that's right here in Florida with me. You know, I call her Maggie. I don't want to butcher uh, your last name, but uh, she's a good okay. friend of mine. She's a good friend of mine. She has her own practice uh, for over 10 years now. You know, she's a licensed therapist, uh, soon to be life coach, and she's launching a new book, which she's going to get into as well, or a poetry book, which I'll let her go into. But, you know, the reason why I wanted to bring her on here today, because the topic of self-worth or you are enough is such a big deal nowadays. You know, it's such a big deal, not only from a teen's perspective, but not only from a parent's perspective of shedding some of these self-limiting beliefs that we have and really digging down to the root of some of our traumas and digging down to the root of what's causing us to almost either feel stuck as a parent or, you know, try to teach our teenagers that are constantly being bombarded with all this information and, being, and they're comparing themselves to what everybody else looks online. So I think it's such a really, really good uh, guest here today. And I want to say, Maggie, thank you so much for being here. And how we want to start out is, you know, kind of tell us your story. You know, let's start out with how you got started, you know, and kind of, you know, where your passion from serving other human beings and having, you know, this really growing practice. You know, I know that you've grown since we talked last and you have a couple of therapists under you and you guys are expanding your services. But if we can kind of go into a little bit of your background and why you got started, you know, and and, to, and kind of take us through your journey, then we'll get into some of the tools and trip and tips that you can provide. Because what we like to really do for our audience is understand your background and then go into some very practical tips and stuff that you teach. You know, that way our audience they can see what you're about. They want to reach out to you to give them some stuff that can help them with their teens. So if you can give us a little bit about your background, it'd be great. Yeah, thank you for having me, Forrest and Bo. Um, yeah, I definitely can get into it a little bit. So. I was actually not a psychology major. I was not gonna do this. Um, I was actually a music major when I started out. I used to sing, record, the whole spiel. Um, I actually ended up going to Florida Atlantic University um, in Boca. And um, I was gonna do music. It was gonna be a whole uh, shebang of just being a singer and all that. And slowly I started to realize that I had a gift for conflict resolution and um, you know, I decided that this was like the thing for me to do, um, especially when I realized there was a lot of different issues that I had at home growing up that I had already weathered and endured. And so um, it was kind of like your own journey um, in life starts to take you through this. And when I was 19, I started to realize um, 
why am I even in the music business? Like, why am I doing this? Is this more for myself? If this is more of a self-expression versus a career, what am I doing here? And so um, long story short, I mean, I went into pre-med, did a lot of different things and eventually ended up in psych and realized that if I was able to pull myself out of certain situations, grow myself from those, have self-reflection, all these things that I yet had not even learned about because I hadn't even graduated with my bachelor's or anything, you know, I started to think about um, what if I could make a difference like that in someone else's home, in someone else's life that is struggling with these issues, right? And so um, that's very brief, like 10, 15 year um, summary, but I went through a lot of issues with self-worth myself. There was a lot of things, a lot of times that I thought I wasn't enough. And I think a lot of um, these days, men and women, um, when I was growing up, I thought it was more of a girl thing and maybe it was socially, I mean, I'm 35 now. So I think generations have really shifted. but there was a lot of issues with, um, can I really do this? You know, do I really believe in myself? What does it look like to believe in myself? Like not even being able to see a future far out vision of who you want to become and believing that that's even possible. Am I deserving of any of these things? Right. So that's just a brief on some of the things that I had to go over. Um, I mean, get guess overcome and, um, why I'm really passionate about that topic. Cause I feel that once I recognized my self-worth once i knew who i was and what i was rooted in etc it changed the entire dynamic of my life um what i did who i let in who i took out you know it's like it's like a organic filter when you really get to know that's huge yeah when you talk about you know once you realized your self-worth you know and then who you let in and who you let out like let's can we dig into that for a minute because i think that's really cool right so when you're talking about once i realized my self-worth what does that mean and how does somebody start to get to that point yeah so um the american psychological association let's kind of just give a little bit of education here um talks about self-worth as an individual's evaluation of him or herself as valuable capable um human being deserving of respect and consideration so that's kind of like that basic um, definition. But when you start to see your self-worth, um, I like to think about it as two different um, words. So for example, we know worth and we know worthiness. So worth, for example, is how much something costs, right? We know this mattress is $1,000. We know this is this. And a lot of us, you'll hear even in quotes and things that people post, they'll say, you know, we are priceless. Human beings are priceless. Um, but do we really know our own worthiness, right? What are we standing for? What are our values? What, you know, what are we capable of? What are we deserving of? You know, because sometimes I think that was the biggest thing for me. It was like, did I even, so certain things would happen, right? So I was like, I really want this. The goal would hit. And it was almost like I had a shock if I achieved it, that was I even deserving of it? Like, To the point where I didn't even look in the mirror for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying to be cocky, but I wasn't even like aware of what my gifts were and why something was happening for me too. You know, it's not just, it wasn't just God given, you know, I was working for a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And when you said, you know, once you realized it, you know, was it, is it normally with a lot of people in, in, in your practice too? Is it like something that like, is it a major life event that happens? Is it a major stressor setback? Or is it like a major win? Like when, in, you know, when do, when do people need to start realizing like, Hey, maybe I don't have a lot of self-worth. Like what are those indicators or like, how does that happen? So I think I'm going to give you different, different examples. So to answer sure. your addition, your first question, it was a major life event that took the turn for me. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but I think gearing this towards teens and even when you're a yeah. child to, Um, it's very important to start um, kind of planting seeds in your kids' minds about their worth. How do we do that? For example, I have two daughters, and I'm constantly giving them examples of how great they are at whatever is they're doing. So, for example, one of my daughters is, like, super good at math. She's, like, just born that way. I mean, I don't even get math the way she gets math. And so, I'm, you know, I highlight some of these things for them. And not that, you know, having a skill is your worth, but you have to start recognizing, you know, what about you is so cool, right? I guess as a kid's or teen's mentality. 
So for example, I have um, a lot of clients, uh, younger ones, um, usually female, that are very intuitive. They're very empathic. There's a lot of empaths out there. And it's being seen as, you know, if it's a negative because they kind of take in everyone's emotions and they feel everything. And I want to highlight, you know, to add to their self-worth, what a great trait that is. The fact that you can be so aware and conscious by nature of what's going on, that is actually a gift. So kind of like building on that over time as your child is growing will set them up in that area of self-worth. Again, nothing is 100% bulletproof, right? But we do our best to try to highlight those things because I think there's a lot of me that I didn't know I was great at. It was almost like my parents, and they did the best they could with what they had, but they focused on what I needed to make better more often than what was already great to begin with. And I'm not saying we don't work on our weaknesses. I'm just saying, can we use our strengths to then pull our weaknesses up? Because if we know what our strength zones are, we can operate in that and then not feel like we're always lacking, which is what ends up happening. When you always want to fix something, you always want to make it better, then you don't really look at the abundance, right? We're always looking at scarcity. And we don't definitely want to do right. that. No, I think that's cool. And she hit on something that's really cool for us, like strength zones. Like, I think that's really cool for teenagers and teens. You know what I mean? When you're, you know, if we're dealing with uh, a teenager that has a lack of self-confidence, you know, we do this all the time in our industry. It's like, okay, cool. What are what are we already doing that they enjoy that or that they excel at? You know what I mean? Something that can give them that sense of worth, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's really cool whenever you just said strength zones. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's really cool. What do you do? You have any kind of like something we can give our, our listeners real quick on like what that would look like? Like let's say you know they have a teen that's a little bit withdrawn. They're not really they're not really being themselves. They're lacking some confidence. Maybe something happened at school or in sports or whatever it is. Maybe something with their friends. What what would you do to try to say okay cool? This is, sounds like a really good technique technique to me. How would you find strength zones? Like what would you recommend for a parent? Well, if I have a teen and someone's coming in, there's obviously an issue and there's a lack of confidence. And we're already seeing that that's already a set trait there or a situation. First of all, I, and again, I'm just speaking from what my experience is because I know therapists all do it differently, right? Sure. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, what are your strengths? We should put your strengths to work and like cheerlead them right now because the issue is already happening. So mm-hmm. I want to go a little bit deeper and seeing you know, what is happening that is causing, like kind of like that root cause of that lack of confidence. And sometimes that might be a lack of a relationship with the parent. It might be, you know, depending on the age of the child, it might be an issue at home that is indirectly affecting them. It might not necessarily be at school. And maybe it is at school. Who knows? Sometimes we have a parent that, um, you know, we model for our children, believe it, you know, it's like no matter what, even if we're trying to be our best, it is what it is. And sometimes we kind of pick up on some of those parent traits and maybe mom or dad doesn't have great self-confidence. So it is what it is, right? Um, But then I also want to show them, um, for example, one of the greatest, one of the best examples and uh, strategies is to pick a time when they did overcome something. I want to prove to them that this has been done before. And most people have overcome something at some point, Mm -hmm. you know, even in the the smallest ways. So if we did it before, we can do it again. We're just changing the context probably. We're just changing the situation. But your capability is there, which is the whole point. If we can show something that someone, that they're capable of doing something, it automatically gives them hope, whether they know that or not. And if it gives them hope, it already gives them a look towards the future, which can enhance growth. And that's the whole point, you know, behind that. I have a fundamental question for you, Margarita. Great. Where do you feel? Um, yeah, <laughs> great. Where do, do I need feel, my textbook? Um, <laughs> might. Where do you feel self? I think our definition of fundamental is different. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know mine is being you know simple marine here. Maybe. Um, we're about to find out, right? Um, so. We're about to find out. Where do you feel self worth comes from in an individual? Is it something hmm. you're born with? Is it something that you're given as a gift uh, from a parent? Is it something you learn from religious or spiritual values? Like where does it come from, self-worth? Right. So I think we are taught what we are worth as we're growing. So like we're born, we're not really 
all knowing. We know we, we are beings that feel and whatnot until we have language and we develop, et cetera, right? Um, based on our environment, which I always believe has a lot to do with everything, okay? We have innate qualities, right? We have personality, we have things that we kind of come with, that's just my thoughts. But the environment that you're shaped and molded in has a lot to do with it. So for example, if you grew up, if you grew up in an environment where um, there's a lot of scarcity mindset, which means we're just thinking the glass is always half empty, right? And, and it's never good enough. And we don't know if we're going to get there. And oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this happened to me. Mm. You know, if you come from that mindset, then you may develop, not you're not 100%, but more than not, you're going to repeat that cycle. And you're going to think of yourself in that way. And you're going to complain. And we're not going to be solution seekers, right? Mm. If you grow into an environment where you're taught that, okay, we're going to go through stuff, things are going to happen, but let's look at it the other way. What else can we do? And you're looking for solutions and we're looking for that growth and for that abundance. You're going to think a little bit more broadly. You're going to be able to be, you know, kind of train your mind to think greater versus less, right? So when it comes to self-worth, that's the same way we look ourselves in the mirror. If we're constantly being told how much we lack, if we're constantly told how much we're not making the cut, then eventually, honestly, even I would be like, well, why even try? Like, why yeah. even care? Yeah. Right? And I can feel like that can lead into even teen suicide, you know, and, and, and talk about a lot of those self-harming behaviors um, and right. thoughts. If we're, you know, in an environment, again, more than likely, there's always outliers. But more than likely, if we're in an environment where we're taught that who we are is enough, everything else is icing on the cake from there. And that we have this potential and that this is infinite and that we're going to go through crap. I'm not saying people who think with abundance don't go through things, but they just know that there's another side to the coin, that the coin doesn't have to stay over here. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if that coin doesn't work, we just go get another coin. There we you go. Know? Yeah. You know, yeah, versus, think... versus just staying stuck. Right. And me being in like totally like, you know, moving around when I was younger, being in totally two, di two different like classes growing up. And I mean, you know, economic classes and like going to like different areas, you know, societal geography, like all these things, you know, play into part. I just remember of my self-worth and then looking at when we did do really well compared to when we didn't do really well. And then when I was kind of alone for a while, when I was a teenager and having to go through all that, I just remember my idea and myself was just going like in like roller coasters, right? Because right. I saw everybody with families and doing well and, you know, I went through a pretty hard time for a while. So I just remember my self-worth really going in spirals, to be honest with you, growing up. And it was a it was a combination of a lot of things. And I didn't really get it back until I would say a few years when I went into the service and actually started learning what my own like skill sets were. When I started learning honestly what, what I was really good at and I could tie myself to something to strive for. You know, and that's something that I had to go through from moving multiple places, having to live with friends growing up, not having a father, you know, going from making parents making a lot of money to absolutely not making any money, you know, and going through like having abundance and not. And so my self-worth and identity probably jumped around two or three times, you know, and then we and then it's funny, too, even as parents, like parents that go through a major career change, they're going through it, you know, so they have to stay balanced when they have teens like. You know, from going from the military to nonprofit to running a business, all those things can change your self-worth unless you have what you're talking about, that mindset, to have like a growth mindset, an abundance mindset to move through it. So I think that's, I think it's very applicable, you know, and I think, uh, I think moving forward with a lot of um, parents and with teens and everything, we're so interconnected guys. And you know that we're so interconnected and you see the comparisons that our teens are having now that they're having to deal with online when everybody's showing the best that they have. When really behind the scenes, we know it's not, it's not really that way. Yeah, I had, um, so I've had a similar experience and I wanted to share, um, just with the thoughts of you are enough. I think it's a very, I don't want to say it's a popular, but it's, it is, it is a very used, um, phrase. And yep. I had, I had a friend of mine, um, who's already older. She's in her, um, mid to late thirties and she just started a new business. She's doing all these changes in her life. Right. And She's asking me, she's like, why do I continue to have this self-doubt? You know, where is this coming from? And as, you know, long story short, as we start to dig, she starts to tell me all the ways, again, that things could be better versus her looking, first of all, she's only had the business for two years. Okay. It's still a baby. And at the same time, you know, when you look at the trajectory, how far has she come? 
do we do that with our children, with ourselves as adults? Because if we get into a pattern of behavior, I mean, of thought, uh, thought process, where we're constantly, look, this happens to entrepreneurs a lot. We always want to improve. Things can be looked at again, and we're going to do this different next time. And that's great. But have we looked at how far we've come lately? And the reason why we want to do that is because we want to highlight for ourselves, even in five minutes of gratitude or just self, you know, reflection of how much crap we've really accomplished. Like sometimes we don't even give ourselves enough credit for the things we have overcome and that we have come this far to. Right. And I'm not, you know, I'm no stranger to this. Oftentimes I have to self-reflect and say, okay, stop. Like, why are you feeling overwhelmed? Like, how much crap have you really done already? You know, and, and is it time for, let's say, me time? Is it time for self-care? Which is another way we can show ourselves that we are worthy. Sometimes, you know, this is very, very common with highly successful people. We don't always take time out for ourselves because we're on to the next thing. And if we're on to the next thing, we got time to go get a massage, right? Because that's wasted time we could be building and that we could be doing and we could be impacting people. But then by default, we wear ourselves down too. And I mean, that's, a, that's just one component of, of self-worth. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. And, and I showed her, the whole point of this conversation was uh, to show her, I said, I grabbed the bottle. We were at dinner and I grabbed one of these glass bottles. You know how they put the water on the tables and it's in these fancy things. I don't know. They do that in Miami. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's, yeah. it's just water. But instead of putting a pitcher, they give you a glass bottle. And I'm like, okay, still the yeah. water. But anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm grabbed the bottle and I'm like, what's wrong with this bottle? And she's like, nothing. I was like, does it have water in it? Yes. Does it serve its purpose? Yes. So you're the bottle. You are already enough the way you come. Now, everything else that you want to do to you, enhancements or whatever, self-growth, all that stuff, is just icing on the cake. But we first have to be okay with looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good. I am good the way I came. If I want to make something better of myself, fantastic. Let's do that. Why not evolve? But we first have to stop and say, no, you know, all my imperfections are great. My perfections are great, if there's any. My in-betweens are great. My hair is great. I don't know, like for ladies, it's like, we, we have to start at acceptance, which is hard. By the way, it's like one of the hardest things to do, but we gotta start there before we enhance. Because if we're always enhancing and we don't know how good we are initially, then what are we enhancing? We're just throwing mud on the wall. You know what I'm saying? So it seems Absolutely. like it's a just a yeah. trait of human behavior to focus on the negative and to not really be in celebration. It's to be cynical, oh, yeah. focus on the neg negative, and then we create this self-talk that's mostly on the negative. And so, you know, now once we can get into a realm of awareness where we go, okay, I've been negative on myself. Now I need to flip the switch and I need to get some positive self-talk to improve my self-worth and maybe do some actions in the real world that actually reflect my strengths. Um, you know, wh what direction can we take our teens for, you know, speaking to the parents, like what, what would you recommend that they do to bring out those strengths and to start with creating a positive self-talk in the teens? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, I think it's super important to, to create a sense of self-awareness. What I mean by that is being present in the moments, highlighting the good parts of those moments, because mm. you're right, Forrest, it is easier for us to think on negative. Humanistically, we are selfish. You know, we, we, we can, all the negative stuff we learn so much quicker. You know, we learn slang mm. and we learn bad words so much That's quicker true. than we learn how to That's read a true. book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So it's, easier. It, it's, it, it's, it's everything's easier when it's just not done right. Right? right. Everything that's done right takes a lot more time and it takes more process, more processes to get there. Repetition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But when it's done right and it's done right over time and consistent, it actually sticks longer and it grows mm -hmm. you. It gives you that wisdom. Right. So I think, um, for, for one of the things that I try to do with my kids, yes, it's self-awareness. What does that mean? Being present in the moment, okay? Like, if we're gonna spend 15 minutes together, let's enjoy that, let's say what was good about that, mm. okay? We wanna, we wanna build patterns of behavior that aren't just, um, you know, not just self-talk, because sometimes maybe your, your kids are a little too small 
-hmm. you know, or maybe if it is a teen that's 11 or, you know, preteen, 13, mm -hmm. maybe they're not going to look in the mirror and tell themselves how great they look today, right? Like maybe they're not into that. That's kind of cheesy. Yeah. That I would tell an adult, like, can you look in the mirror and give me all your great qualities and maybe they'd right. be open to it? Right. A teen may not. But mm -hmm. I want to start to get them to think, how do we see the good in things? Mm -hmm. You know, are we grateful for what just happened? Like gratitude, um, by the way, a lot of speakers talk about this and a great um, neuroscientist that I love to follow, his name is Andrew Huberman. And he talks about different ways that we can have um, kind of interject dopamine. Mm -hmm. um, into our brain and kind of hack our system in that way with something that already happened. Mm -hmm. But one of the best ways we can do that is for celebrating the small stuff, yeah. the small right. wins. Mm -hmm. And that's going to challenge self-defeating thoughts or behaviors. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, being grateful, generating gratitude, even if it's an unrelated event, gets you in the mindset of saying, well, if you've ever heard this, well, at least we didn't have this or at least this didn't happen. So now we're not going, oh crap, my shoes got dirty. Now we're mm -hmm. saying, well, at least I have shoes yeah. and I can wash them yeah. later. Mm -hmm. right? oh, yeah. They do that in the military really well. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of funny sayings, but one of the one of the famous ones is like, but did you die? <laughs> no, I didn't, but you know what? <laughs> like straight up, you know, if I had a dime or a nickel. Yeah, like stop complaining, right? Like you're not in a casket. Right, I'm like, <laughs> like all right. Well, now that saying's tra transferred over to fitness because they say that in CrossFit and they say yeah, that but in did you die fitness, though. but did you die, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. You're like, no, Do we have a t-shirt? Should we make a t-shirt with it? <laughs> you should. You should. 100%. And then someone would be offended about it. But anyway. They would. They would. They of would. course. You get called out on Twitter. You're not doing anything purposeful unless you're offending somebody. So. It's true. Uh, I, yeah. What? That's true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think remaining present, um, the gratitude... Um, just learning to celebrate the small stuff already gets you in a thought habit w that generates more dopamine. And let mm -hmm. me give you just a quick, quick, quick example, because I saw this um, talk show with Andrew Huberman, and he was talking about how it works. So, for example, we have, you know, cortisol, stress, you know, neurotransmitters in our, in our mind all the time, and everybody's stressed out. And so when we have, um, when we are in pursuit of a goal, a lot of the times we don't think we can insert dopamine in that process. We think we need to endure the bad process until we reach the goal. Oh, and then when yeah. we get to the goal, we're like, oh, time to celebrate, time to have the party, mm. you know? And so sometimes, I guess, if your goal is a week long, maybe not a problem. But if you have a year's worth of goal, you know, you're growing a business, for example. Um, you're, you're doing things that are going to take milestones or even for you're, you're like a teenager you're in high school yeah that's four years you know we're, right. we're going to celebrate you in four years when you graduate but until then you're not enough right right so um one of the things that that he talks about is this is the example of like working out for example mm -hmm. um if if you struggle with even getting yourself out the door let's put the shoes by the door you know and if you get today to the, sh you know, you're going to want to get to the shoes by the door, mm -hmm. put them on. We're going to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. I don't care that you went to the gym, that you didn't go, that you didn't walk out the door. We're just going to celebrate that. And we're going to say, today I made it here. Woohoo. Party in my mind. That's going to give you a little bit of dopamine. Because for you, this particular goal of even getting to the gym is like astronomically hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And that can be for a lot of things. Like you said, four years. Oh, my God why don't we celebrate every time we have a midterm and we pass it, right? Mm -hmm. So anywho, long story short, we're going to take that, and the next time you put on the shoes, you step out the door. Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't get in the car, but now we're going to celebrate, and we're going to be present mm -hmm. in the fact that we now achieved two out of, let's say, five steps, mm -hmm. and so forth. And as we do that in pursuit of a goal, actually makes us more resilient. Because Absolutely. when we get to the goal, which we will, it's only a matter of time, right? then we're not just going to celebrate from a place of like, oh my God, all this hard work and I was so stressed out and it's a big release. Mm. Now we're actually, when we get there, we're happier yeah. because we've been boosting ourselves throughout the time. You know what? And so, and that's you know, huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's huge. And like, that's a big thing too. And parents, I want you guys to look at this and, and I'm going to go into some, some stuff that I learned while we were working with some children that went through some very severe stuff and have been trafficked and all kinds of crazy stuff. So the first thing I want you to know before we get into that deeper thing is that 
Goal setting for your teens is a process of self-awareness. That's all it is. You're getting them to become more self-aware. So when we're setting goals and you know what Maggie was talking about, I love that. And let's put it to something. Let's dig a couple layers deeper and be very apt. Let's just say you have a teen girl and she's just very despondent. She's depressed. She's not talking. She's, you know, she's gone inward and you're having a hard time getting, even getting her out of her room. I've seen that before. You know, I've seen that with some girls in our family uh, and even getting them to open up and talk. Well, you know what? When they smile at the dinner table, count that as a win and get them to say, yeah. see, you're smiling. Do you see what that feels like? We're proud of you for that because that's important. Right. And that's what Maggie's talking about. These very small incremental start looking for these small windows to feed that energy right back into them. Right. Because if you're showing up scared and not and not understanding what to do, that's OK. But start looking at what she said and breaking it down. So maybe when they come out of their room and they help you with something, count that as a win. Right. Right. All these small things really just try to dig into that and then provide that to them so they can start getting that themselves. And you can really break that down into almost like an art form with how you want to get your child from stuck, right, to sustainable and out to where, you know, what they need to do to be a healthy young adult. So thank you for that. I think that's huge because in any moment with our teens, we have the ability to do that. Like you said, increase the dopamine levels, get their awareness levels up and get some of that positive energy back into their body. So I think that's a huge step. Um, and if, you know, we worked with some teenage girls that had been trafficked before uh, in the foster care system and Maggie, I'm telling you right now, I've told Forrest before, it was such a hard thing to see a 13 or 12 year old girl down to like 85 or 90 pounds and they couldn't even look anybody in the eye. So while we're working with them and they didn't even want to look at men, not even see men, they were afraid to be in the same room as, as a man, rightfully so, rightfully so. And by the time we were done and we worked with them, you know, they wrote out their little letters and they said, look, we can actually finally start to trust in men a little bit. But the process to get them there and the workshops that we were doing to get them there was exactly what you said. It was step by step, meeting them where they're at, meet your teen where they're at. So if they're despondent, if they're afraid, if they're withdrawn, meet them there. And when they see signs of life, which we all do, congratulate them on it and move them one step forward along the journey. And remember, in what she's talking about, it's 1% every day. It's compound movements. It's small compound movements with them that will add up over time. You know, And, and that's what she was talking about with the resiliency piece. That will add up and compound over time. So I want to tell you, thank you for that. That was such a, that's such a good practical application for our, for our viewers, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah 100%. I mean, there's, there's so much. Um, and I just, you know, I want to say too, um, as a parent myself, um, and we're all right, we're all parents. Um, it's not easy. No. <laughs> it's not easy to have a teen that's going through things. It's probably even harder if you as a teen went through something and maybe you as a parent, you know, now you're realizing some unfinished trauma, un, you know, unresolved trauma, unfinished business. Um, Cause sometimes that comes up. You think you got it all figured out, right? As an adult. And then it only takes your child to say one thing and you're like, oh crap, I never worked on that. Like oh, I yeah. still struggle with that. Um, and in honest, in all honesty, that would be a great sign for you to maybe get some tools in therapy yourself, you know, or a coach, whatever is applicable. Um, but if there's past trauma, definitely therapy. Um, it's only gonna help you. You're not any less of a parent um, because you just realize that there's some gaps there that you also need to fill in. And, and it's hard. It's hard to have a teen like that's in their room, doesn't want to come out, that doesn't want to talk to you when all you would die for is to just have that connection with them. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it's hard, um, you know, but but we can it's not impossible, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Margarita, a couple of times I've heard you say you have to be present, you know, with your teen. And yeah. And that's not easy to do. Be present. But um, how can a parent, you know, be present and what? How can they more easily spot those opportunities to count the wins? Because what we do is, um, you know, we're trying to live our life. We're busy as parents. They're doing their thing. They're, they're busy living their life as teens. And then we have like a progress report. Say the grades come and we see them spiraling down. And we say, I told you. I told you you needed to get your assignments turned in. I told you da 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 and clean your room and da 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 da. I'm busy, you know, and we get into this mode. I've been in that mode and, and I'm very cautious not to get in that mode nowadays. Um, yeah. But what can a parent do to stay more present and to feed our our teen in a positive way instead of tearing them down? Because we have a choice. We could build them up or tear them down, right? Right. So I think I'm going to go a little deeper here. And I apologize if I offend anyone. But And I'm only speaking from personal experience. So anything that I'm saying, it's not because I haven't had to overcome certain things. Um, I think we get to that level if it's in that scenario that you just mentioned, Forrest. We're busy. They're busy. There's like a, you know. 
because we're not spending enough time there or we're not creating pockets of time to have that connection, you ain't got to spend all day with your kid, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, are we having certain dinners together? Are we having the time where they can just be themselves? I'm not talking about let's take them to an activity where they're at the activity and you're at the activity and there's no connection time. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that teens have told me as they get older is like, I can't really talk to my mom or my dad. I can't really connect. You know, more uh, females tell me that than males, but, um, and, and that's going to be over time. You know, when we go back in time, it was like that one time when I was in middle school and I really wanted to connect with you and I really couldn't. Like, we, they already know you know more than them, okay? They already know that you've been through a lot of crap, they haven't been through, and that you, you know, mom and dad know best, right? Or whoever. But they don't want to hear that. You know, I remember as a teen myself, I just wanted to be understood. Yeah. So Good if point. we can create, we don't have to be right. Okay. As a mm -hmm. teen, I remember even arguments with my parents. It was just like, can you just hear me out? Mm -hmm. Like, e even if we don't agree, mm -hmm. can you just listen? You know? And again, it also depends on what type of, you know, personality and what child we have. Some people are very open. Some people are less, you know, more closed, but mm -hmm. it's always worked where like for, I mean, like um, Bo was saying, if you just meet them at where they are. So what does that mean? If we go to dinner, right, and we're just having, let's say, me and you time, mom and daughter, dad and son, or whatever, vice versa, and we're just sitting at dinner, let's not drill them with questions. Let's not try to, like, pick at it. It might be awkward and uncomfortable if you've never done this before, but you, we have to get comfortable in that space with them, whatever space that is that they're in. And that's one of the things that I, want, that I look to do with teens. I am aligning. I am your ally mm -hmm. when I meet with you, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you how smart I am or smarter than you or how much I've learned mm -hmm. <laughs> that you don't know Jack about anything, right? Because mm -hmm. you're 14 and who knows. I'm here to just be your ally. And I still maintain my authority level, even as a counselor. It's not mm -hmm. like I'm, you know, disrespected or anything. Mm -hmm. But that's the part of where we value. I'm valuing you as a human being, as a teen, by the way, they already have opinions and they think very differently. So we're not looking at a child that's just gonna follow orders. We're gonna look at somebody who's gonna answer you back. And depending on their attitude, it might get, it might get different, you know, depending <laughs> on who they are. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I, want you to, I want you to know that I understand you have thoughts and feelings and that you have opinions. I wanna ally, I wanna build that connection, whatever that, you know, connection activity is. And then eventually, again, time looks different for everyone and how open that teen is. But eventually now I have influence because you will break down your walls mm -hmm. to let me in, which is the whole point. Because yeah. if I'm coming from a place of a parent where I want the best for you, right, then I want you to eventually, I want to be able to have your ear. But I can't have your ear if you don't trust me, if you don't believe that what I'm gonna tell you makes sense. I don't care if I'm your mom, your dad, whoever raised you. If the kid doesn't, if you don't have their ear and they don't trust or think of you as an influence, they won't. And sometimes they'll do things out of fear, maybe, depending how you rear your children or what type of home it is. And they'll follow because they're afraid, but not because they believe in it. And that's gonna dissipate once they turn 18, 19, whenever they can get the hell out. Yeah, because oh, yeah. I had to listen to you for that long, and yeah. I don't have to anymore. Yeah, no. And so even parents, if you're right, we can all find yeah. ways to connect with our kids and meet them where they're at. Like for my son, it was video games, you know, and I would come yeah. in, and even if I'm not interested, I'd be like, "Oh, what's this character? What do you guys do?" You know. Right. And if my daughter, um, I wasn't, you know, thrilled about her spending hours doing makeup, but I. You know, I would say, oh, that, that one looks good. Or, you know, and I would give a little bit of good feedback. Or, you know, she likes a certain yeah, hip-hop. I like old-school 90s hip-hop. And, you know, it's a different type of music. But I would say, hey, I like that one. I like that song. But I would, you know, try to tread lightly around the things that I maybe didn't, didn't like as much. That's huge. That's huge because I even use that in counseling with, uh, with couples. Mm. When we're interested, we don't have to, guys, we don't have to agree, okay? We don't mm -hmm. have to, like adopt what they're doing but when we're interested in what the other party is doing mm -hmm. what they're about relating it now to teens mm -hmm. it gives them a sense of validation where like oh mom and dad actually really want to know what i'm doing like they don't think it's weird 
because they're already judging themselves by the nature of their age. They're mm -hmm. already, you know, picking themselves apart to begin with. Their ego, you know, their self-esteem is like, unless you've built it up, it usually isn't up. It's already, it's too self-aware around teenagehood and it's too judgy. So like the fact that you took an interest in someone already makes them say, oh, it's like one layer of the walls come down. And that happens in count in, in marital counseling. It could be anything. Mm. I mean, if somebody took an interest in you, even if you thought it was weird, or like, why is she even interested in knowing about this? It's still welcoming. It's still refreshing yeah. that somebody yeah. gave a crap. Right. Yeah, right? I think, you know, one thing that we're missing too and to expand on is like, let's be consistent with it. Because mm. if we do it like once or twice a year, it's not really going to work. You know yeah. what I mean? So Correct. we want to be And it has to be consistent. genuine. Right. <laughs> right. And that's that's like the caveat. If anyone's ever read How to Win Friends and Influence People, I know it has nothing to do with mental health. But one of the things that it talks about, and even John Maxwell, if you know him as a writer, yeah. um, it's got to be genuine, okay? We can't just be like, so what are you into? And like, it's yeah. not really, so they, people can sense when you when you Especially your it. teens, because they know you really well. And they're just going to see right through it. They're going to be like, ow. Oh. You know, and one thing that, you know, we like to leave everyone with, right? And so I'm going to kind of put you on the spot just a little bit. All right. So what we like to do is we like to say, okay, if for self-worth and everything that we talked about, right, to summarize this up for our, you know, our viewers and people that are listening right now, um, you know, maybe they're driving home and they're just leaving for work or wherever they're at there in their day. Can you provide uh, a parent right now that has a teenager that needs some self-worth? Can you provide them with like maybe a quick weekly regimen? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like what What would you recommend from sunup to sundown, what they might be want to be thinking about or doing specifically that can help their team with self-worth? What What kind of regiment would you provide? Like we love doing this. It gives a lot, it gives people a lot of tools they can use. So what do you got? Give us your best. Yeah. So I think it starts with, it sounds a little repetitive, but let's look at the situation where they're at, right? So are we looking at, and this is the part of being present, but self-awareness, it starts with figuring out what map are we using? So are we looking at self-worth from a minimal, you know, do we just need a boost or are we, you know, are we looking at a depressed team? Like mm -hmm. how low are we? Okay. okay. Um, so the observation period I think is important before we even get to the regimen. Cause we need to know what okay. we're working with. Mm, right. Gotcha. So let's just take an average teen. We're not thinking they're clinically depressed, but they're kind of down and they're not too good yeah. on themselves, whatever. This is the average person. Mm -hmm. I think first of all, um, we need to create, whether that's throughout that week or whatnot, we need to create pockets of time together or time where we like we connect. So if we Got connect it. over your sport or we connect over dinner or whatever that looks like to you, that needs to happen. It doesn't have to be every day. You know, we don't have to do overkill. They probably don't want to hang out with you every day, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's got to be some sort of structure in there. And okay. another thing we need to do is pay attention to our conversations with them. Okay. okay. So that's on a daily. How are we interacting? Right. Are we using uplifting words or are we putting them down? And we can, we can, you know, we can rear, I guess, to some degree, we can, we can provide structure. We can still be an authority figure, but we don't have to use, you know, we don't have to put them down for it. So for example, I'll say, um, sometimes it's very easy. And I think I, you know, everyone's guilty of this is like, well, how could you have got, how could you have done that? You know, like, you know, better. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so that, instead of saying that, for example, we can say, well, again, instead of saying the punitive part of like, you know, how could you, Yeah. you know, you know, you know, um, how could you be so careless or whatever? Right. Mm -hmm. We're already attacking. Why are we attacking? We want them to react and reflect, right? We don't mm. want them to be like, oh, crap, you know, I am, I, I do suck, mm, right? right? So we're going to say, you know, did you, why did you do that? Or did you realize that this was happening? So we want to have reflective questions. I ask uh, my kids, I yeah. try to make this a habit for myself all the time is asking like, why did you do that? Like, what was happening? What was going on? Mm -hmm. So I'm still upset. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's still an authoritative, authoritarian um, or authoritative. Yeah type of tone where I'm still, you know, an authority figure, but I also want to know, well, what was going through your mind? Like what was happening when this happened? You know? So there still has to be that little bit of attention, but now sure. I'm asking you to think. So that's just an example of kind of like conversations when we ask, um, and this applies to everything. 
what did you mean by that? We already take away the assumption that we know, even though as parents we probably do know, but we're going to, you know, not say it like that because we want to enter into that dialogue. Remember, we want to be in their brain as much as possible. If we shut it out by, by defeating comments, then we've already lost the battle, right? So it's kind of like that. I think it's a lot of in conversation. It's a lot of certain routines, right? And then um, if we can be a little bit interested in what they're doing on a daily, and that may take some effort. You may not care whether gymnastics does this tumbling thing. I mean, I don't care about video games. And if I had a son or if my daughters end up picking that up at some point, I guess I have to learn Mm. only because... I want to be in their space where they feel comfortable. And if if and when they let out any good nuggets on there, I want to be present for it, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of like on a, on a general no, note, but I, everyone's case yeah. is different, you know? Right. No, this is good. So this is like a, a good blueprint, right, to, to summarize real quick. So evaluate where they're at, okay? See where they're at on the scale, like you said, of you know how either despondent they are or withdrawn they are. You say connect with them authentically, okay? Watch your conversations and try to ask reflective questions, which I think is great to kind of really get at the root of what's going on. And whenever you ask those questions, connect with them authentically. Get into something that they're interested in, actually do that and do that consistently. And I think that's a good roadmap. So thank you. That was helpful. Quickly, as you were saying that, I just thought thought of that. So I know there's a lot of hormones and emotions racing as Mm -hmm. teens, right? So we might be dealing with a lot of shutting you out. We're dealing a lot with anger issues. We're dealing a lot, stuff like that. So you also want to watch the emotional radar and who wow. you're working with. So for example, I, one of my daughters is the one that will shut down, kind of swallow everything. And, and you kind of have to build that pocket for her to open up. Because if not, she's not the one to just blurt out whatever's wrong. And then my other one is the one that won't shut up, right? They'll just tell you everything, how it is. And you're telling her to shush. And she's like, but wait a second, because I didn't finish. And I'm like, dude, you're only six years old. So so I can see where the personalities are going. Mm -hmm. So if we've got the if we've got the open ended child, you know, that just has an opinion about everything, it's important to um, regulate that. Right. And if there's an there's anger issues, it's important to target the body's part of the outburst first before we get into language. But I mean, that's a whole other episode. But just just being aware of those things. And if we're talking about the reserved, really um, not open to stuff, that's where the huge part of the alliance is gonna come in and your observation. Because you're gonna look, you're gonna wanna find moments of clarity where they're not too shut out and mo- and, and, and things that are they're into that'll get them talking because this is the part where you are interested in the other person and you study your child, which I think we're all guilty of maybe sometimes not doing, but right. your child might also be the very opposite of you. Mm. And that might be an issue because you don't get it. Right. Well, we have <laughs> to kind of study them a little bit because if not, we're never going to crack that egg. And they'll always feel misunderstood or not understood and, and that's huge. But that too, you know what? I'll leave you with this. It requires a level of self-growth from the parent, especially if you're in that place where you really don't get your child because you didn't go through that because you don't know why they think the way they do. And that might require some external you know, help. Um, and, and sometimes parents are very uncomfortable with that because we've never really pushed ourselves to grow. So it's definitely challenging. Yeah. Yeah, definitely parents, you know, reach out, get some help. It takes a village, right? Whether it's a coach, a counselor, a therapist. I mean, really, uh, it does take a village. And if we're trying to put it all on our own shoulders as parents, it can get overwhelming. And then we're not doing our teen any service by trying to tackle every problem ourselves either. So, um, Margarita, how do our listeners get a hold of you if they want to follow up and maybe ask more questions? Are you available for that type of thing? We can also put information in your website in the show notes, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I am located physically in South Florida in Coral Springs. Um, My practice's name is National Therapeutic Alliance. So it is myself and two other therapists that work here. Um, We are also bilingual, English-Spanish. And, um, and they can reach us on our website. Everything is exactly the same name. So nationaltherapeuticalliance.com, mm-hmm. um, same as Facebook and Instagram. 
Um, you can also follow our messages there. We're always available. So yeah, and, um, and we're always looking to help. If you feel like calling is a better option, um, the number is 954-570-1332. That's also um, a text line. So if you have questions and you want to text, it's an encrypted line. So mm. it's safe. It's HIPAA compliant, all that good stuff. Mm, fantastic. Margarita, if you wouldn't mind um, taking us out from a very heart-centered space and speaking directly to the parent and just giving them some motivation because uh, they might be suffering with uh, a child that has low self-worth, low self-value, low self-esteem and is really just, they don't know what to do at this point. Can you speak directly to the parent um, in one final message before we close out? Sure. Um, as a parent myself, I would tell you that you have all the tools that you need. I would actually, not to be cliche, but I would give them the same message that I would give a child because I think as a parent, we can feel defeated as if we're not going to figure this out. Um, we will feel guilty that we're not figuring it out. We're going to feel like a failure. We're going to go through, I think, all the same waves that that child is going through if they're lacking self-worth. Because now we're thinking, well, why can't I as a parent? Um, and I would say that you are enough if you feel as if you don't have all the tools. Because, again, we might need to learn some stuff. Then definitely seek out help. Um, as parents, I think we are all just, like, what's that quote? Walking each other home, right? Like, yeah. I, I think we're all in some degree having challenges that we've never faced before. Some of us are parents at an earlier age and are, you know, I totally get it, like trying to get your ish together while you already have children. And it's, it's a lot, um, but you know what? Everything can be done. There's a solution for everything. I know it sounds really cliche, but there really is. We just have to have the willingness to keep going. Um, and, and you know what, ask for help. Like Bo said, I don't think anyone does anything 100% by themselves. So if you need to get some tools or anything, just seek out in your area or whatnot and, um, and then bring them home, man. Because um, I think we're all, we all have the same goal is to make our children better. Um, so as long as we're united that way, I think anything is possible. 100%. Awesome. awesome. Margarita, thank you. Can you think of someone who really needs to hear this message right now? Great. Send them a link to this show. Sharing is caring. Also, go on to Facebook right now and search parents of awesome teens with anxiety, depression, or low self-esteem so you can gain access to our supportive community. Remember, it takes a village. Thanks for listening to the Parent Teen Mindset Show.